Hey friends, I'm Julie Holmquist and you are listening to Kairos Moments Podcast. God's been speaking to you for a while and you know you are called to something. It's time to stop playing it safe with your faith, time to lean into your calling, and time to bring those God-given dreams to life. It's time. Let's do this together. Hey friends, today I have on the show my good friend, Sherry Fletcher. Sherry knows what it's like to be in a season of transition and wondering what her purpose is. She's been in those seasons and she knows what that feels like and God has given her a message to share with women who are in similar seasons. She's a writer, speaker, singer, and the host of your Spiritual Game Plan podcast. She loves to help women develop a spiritual game plan so that they can live out the purpose God created for them. She wants to share the message of just how intentionally you were made to be part of God's plan. Through her writing, speaking, and her podcast, it is her desire to equip you with an understanding of the enemy's plot against that very plan. Let's welcome Sherry to the show. So Sherry, thank you for being on Kairos Moments. I've um, appreciated you coming on. I've been on your show and looking forward to our discussion. I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So we met online through an internship or... I know. I'm trying to think of how we met. It was quite a while ago. I just remember you were looking for someone to um, kind of read a study you were writing and I volunteered and I was like, wow, this this guy's doing a great study and just kind of went from there. And what yeah, a treat. Probably the Nehemiah study. Nehemiah. Pick that back up and I'm working on it again. So hopefully be coming out next year sometime. I wanted to have you on the show because you have a really good, relevant message for women today about pursuing their God-given dreams. And a lot of us, that can even be like being a mom or whatever it is, a nurse, whatever it is. Tell me the difference between you, you say it's so awesome, just a versus just the, that was life-changing for me when you mentioned that to me. Mm, it was life-changing when God opened my eyes for that. Um, and, and how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> we can take uh, as long as we need. You know, the, the first time I understood that I could have a baby, I have always loved children. And so I've always wanted to be a stay at home mom and have babies. And so when, when that time came and I was able to stay at home with my kids, I was so excited to do that. And I didn't think much about it. I didn't really ever think about moms that were in the workplace. Um, I just thought about my ability and desire to stay home with my kids. And I will never forget the time when um, someone asked what I did. And I said, I'm, I'm stay at home with my kids. And that person said, it must be nice to be just a stay at home mom. And I was, you know, in my early twenties and that really stung because I thought, wow, I'm nothing more than a stay at home mom. And the devil really took those words and planted them deep into the heart of my identity. And they took hold and they took root. And I started using that word to identify and describe myself. And so people would ask what I did and I'd repeat them back. Well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And I would hear myself repeat that to everything I did. Well, I'm I'm just a volunteer at church. Well, I'm just a housewife. Well, I'm just... And, 
I really heard in my heart that you're nothing more then. And it really interfered in my marriage because I started getting defiant and defensive of my role. I started projecting that belief on how I thought my husband saw me and how I thought other people saw me as nothing more than um, a, a servant. And, you know, it, it was really damaging to my perception of who I was. But I also started noticing how I heard other people use it to describe their who they were in the workplace. So it wasn't, you know, a way to describe just a stay-at-home mom. I heard I'm just a nurse, I'm just a teacher, I'm just a doctor. I'm, you know, I've heard them describe themselves when it came to their roles as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, wow, okay, they even if they have a career or a place in society, they don't see themselves as anything relevant either. And um, so I kind of started picking up on, wow, we really place a lot of emphasis of who we are as a person in the roles that we are living at that time. And so unfortunately, it really took hold and became an identity for me for too many decades. Mm. Uh, And it wasn't until I started writing more and was actually uh, at a writer's uh, speaker's conference that the coach um, asked me to really start focusing on that word just. I went back to my room and thought, well, what am I going to do with the word just? Because for so long, it's meant nothing more than. Right. And uh, God said, well, Sherry, you've, you've only looked at it as nothing more than. I'd like you to look up what the word actually means. So. I Googled in dictionary for just, and it was right there. And it said exactly what I need. And it was like, what? For so many years, I allowed Satan to tell me I was nothing more than I was just a housewife. I was just a stay at home mom. And if I had let, you know, the words of God fill my heart. And if God and let God say, Sherry, you're exactly what I need. You're exactly the stay-at-home mom I need for those kids. You're exactly the wife that I made you to be for your husband. You're exactly the volunteer I need with those kids. And if, you know, if you're a listener today, you are exactly who God created you to be in the work environment that you're in. You're not just a stay-at-home mom. You are just the stay-at-home mom. You are just Mm -hmm. the nurse. You are just the postal worker, whatever role you are in today, God needs you to be just the person that he placed in that role. Yeah, that's so good. That's so life-changing for people. It's freeing to know Mm -hmm. that what we do isn't tied up with who we are. Absolutely. Well, we kind of, you know, we kind of uh, are raised in a society, even when we're little, we always ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then as they're in school, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You know, so what are you taking? What are you going to do? And then as we grow up, so what do you do? Who are you? And so everything we're going to be, everything we do is who we are. Right. And we kind of start that succession. Yeah. Young. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. We ask kids continuously, what do you want to be when you grow up? So why do you think women specifically struggle with knowing and living into their true purpose? First of all, tell me what our purpose is and why women struggle with finding Mm this. Mm -hmm. Well, we all know that our purpose in life is to reflect the glory of God, mm-hmm. but Satan wants us to believe that our purpose is to reach a level of self-glory. Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, a lot of times I will ask someone, how, how do you know when you've discovered your purpose? And if you write that down, a lot of it has to do with when you, when you feel relevant, when you've achieved, when you've reached a goal, when you feel valid. And so a lot of times when um, someone says they've got to find their purpose, I really um, come to understand that they've just lost a role. They've just finished a role. They've lost a title. They've lost, they're in transition. Um, you know, I'm going through empty nest. Now I'm going, I'm going to be a mother-in-law. And so I'm switching positions. I'm going through transition. It's easy to feel I have no purpose or, but actually I have the same purpose. My role has changed because our roles in life change, but our purpose is eternal. Um, I have, our purpose is to glorify God. Now, how we do that is all different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so your way of glorifying God is not going to be the way that I glorify God, but we were created to glorify God. And that is our purpose. But so many times we just feel irrelevant and we mistake that for purpose. Why I think that's unique to women. And this is my own opinion is Mm -hmm. I don't believe that it was a mistake that the serpent chose Eve. He's very cunning. He went after Eve and told her, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from that? Why didn't he want you to eat from that? Well, he didn't want you to be as good as him. He didn't want you to have your eyes open. You're not good enough. He didn't want you to be like that. You know, here's this beautiful, perfect woman standing in front of him, completely naked and unashamed. And he immediately goes after her mind. Mm. Um, you know, she, she didn't have, you know, the Beverly Hills women of Eden to compare her body to. She was unashamed. Right. And the minute he attacked her mind, she felt shame. Yeah. We are, we're so similar. Sherry, in that I have sticking point when people say I'm trying to find my purpose. I'm like, honey, your purpose is already established. It's fixed. It is an intimate relationship with God. Out of the overflow of that, you can find your calling and your calling will change depending on the seasons you're in. Yes. And I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly, but something I've been thinking about that when Satan tempted Eve, I almost wonder if that was a, and and correct me if I'm wrong, if it was a um, getting her to question her identity. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Because I've never heard that before, but it's, it's basically saying, oh, I'm not content with who I Mm -hmm. am. I want to be like God. Yes. Oh, and that's what Satan was. That was all Satan was. He wanted to be like God. There's a book written by Tosca Lee, um, a whole approach um, on how Satan um, really, really flirted with Eve, got her to you know trust him, um, kind of slowly worked that relationship so that when he got her to eat that fruit, she trusted him. It wasn't just that she walked by that tree and all of a sudden he talked to her and got her to eat that fruit. It was a relationship building. And of course we don't have any proof of that in the Bible, but you think about it of how Satan works with us, gets us to trust him slowly, believe him slowly. But of course, as soon as, you know, he got her to believe that she needs to be better and Mm -hmm. be like God. She wasn't good enough how she Mm -hmm. was. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Tosca Lee, she, does she write fiction? Is it mainly fiction or is this, tell me, do you know the name of the um, book? It's Hava. That's what it is. Hava. Okay. Hava. Mm-hmm. It is it fiction, 
for sure, but it's very intense. It's got great um, thought processes. She has one on Judah to Iscariot. Okay, I'll have to check it out for sure. So what scriptures can we use to help us like defeat the enemy's plans Mm. to, or his plots, I should say, because you say God has a plan, Plan. but the enemy has a plot. Tell us a little bit about how you say God has a plan, but the enemy has a plot. Absolutely. Tell us some scriptures that we can use to defeat that in our minds and in our hearts. Yeah. So the name of my podcast and my ministry is called Your Spiritual Game Plan. Mm -hmm. Where that came from is watching my husband coach my kids basketball and then watching basketball games all the way through high school. And I used to admire how my kids would just study their game books. They would not get on that court if they didn't know their play. And I would um, watch all of the parallel things that were going on in that game and think, we don't do this in our, in our life, in our walk with Christ. Do we memorize our scripture book so that when we're out in that battlefield, do we know the voice of the Lord? Do we know the plays? Do we know our scripture going out there into the battle? Do we have a spiritual game plan? Um, and one of the things that really, I was really, uh, astonished with was those games are loud and the opposing team is, is booing and trying to get your team to mess up, but yet the home team's cheering and cheering super loud. But yet when the coach calls the play, those kids hear his voice and they can be mid court. They, they can switch Mm. and do that play. And I thought, wow, like John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me um, or Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. And I thought God has a plan, but don't think for one minute that the enemy doesn't have a plot. And that plot usually looks and feels pretty close. Mm-hmm. Because he's very strategic in how he likes to work a very custom plot just for you. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell people is Satan's not going to tempt me in the same way he's going to tempt you, Julie. So um, and that's where comparison comes into play. So if you're really, really good at baking, I, I'm not going to really compare myself to you because I'm just not a good mm-hmm. baker and I'm not even interested in it. And so um, if you have an HGTV special all about your baking and they're coming to your home and they're filming your beautiful cakes and you've got a cookbook and you've got a huge membership, um, I'm going to say that's awesome. And I'm just going to be proud of you, my friend. But Satan's not going to tempt me to just, you know, be jealous of you and feel like a failure because I'm not you. Mm -hmm. But his but his plot is is going to have me feel um, terrible that I don't have as many downloads in my podcast and I don't have as many speaking engagements and I don't have as many, you know, email subscribers and I don't have a book even. And he's going to remind me that. And he's going to tell me that because his plot is to make me feel really bad in a similar calling Mm -hmm. as someone else. And so why even try to do it? Look how good she is. Satan's going to be like, just quit now, just quit now, Sherry. You're not going to ever be like her. So just quit because he doesn't want me 
to speak to the neighbor across the street. He just wants to keep me from speaking to the one person. And if he can keep me speaking to that one person and lifting her up today, that's great. That's all he wants. And so he wants to keep me from speaking to the least of these, because that's what God's called me to do is speak to the least of these. Right. And so he wants me to think if I can't speak to the thousands, then why even do it? So God's got a plan for me, but the enemy has a plot and it's very strategic against the very thing, but I've got to hear my coach's voice. I've got to be so in tune. I've got to have a spiritual game plan. So like John 10, 7, 27, that says my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's, that is so fascinating because I am not a sports person, <laughs> but I had siblings who were all into sports, all the sports. Right. And I used to ask the question so loud right now, how are those kids on that field able to hear their coach say anything? Mm-hmm. And what you just said is they tune their ears only to hear their coach. So when the coach says, do this, that's what they do. When they, when the coach says change, do this instead, that's what they do. That's really good. Mm-hmm. It begs the question that can you hear God's voice? I think that's pivotal. And how would, how would you encourage someone who's like, I don't know if I hear God speaking at all. How would you encourage that woman? Yes. I used to think when I heard people say, you know, I heard God's voice. I was like, well, how does that happen? (laughs) Do you hear this big voice? And I will tell you, you know what? Once in my life, I did. Once in my life, I heard a clear voice. But a lot of times, if I pray for a direction, someone will call me and they'll say what I, what I asked to hear. Sometimes I'll hear a song that'll say something. I'll be like, Oh, wow. That's what I needed to hear. Sometimes I'll be driving and I'll see a billboard and it'll just have a a quick word. And I'll be like, Oh, wow. I needed that word. Sometimes like Julie, like you said, you'll feel, you'll feel impressed to call someone or text someone. And someone was like, wow, how did you know I needed to hear that today? So if, if God impresses on you to text someone or call someone, please, please do, because that's what they asked for that day. And God used you to call them. That's how they heard God. And so you've got to be really open in your word. You've got to ask, you've got to ask God wants, if you ask, God's going to come. And sometimes, even if you didn't ask, if you're just in tune with the little things, the little things, because God always speaks in the whisper. Sometimes it's big, but a lot of times it's in the whisper. It's in the small little things that will come through. And the more you listen and the more you look, you start seeing it more and more. You start recognizing it. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's the busyness of life that kind of prevents us from really hearing him. He might be uh, texting. God doesn't text us. (laughs) He does sometimes. (laughs) He does. He does text through other people, but Mm -hmm. God will be speaking to me. And I'm so caught up in whatever's going on right in front of me that I, I don't really hear, or I don't really stop to listen to what he's telling me. And there've been many times where I've missed it. You know, I felt, and I don't heap shame or condemnation on myself, but I'm like, I want to be used of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so when I miss those promptings, it, it hurts my heart you know, tell me a little bit about what you're excited about in this season of your life and ministry. I know you mentioned that you have a, you have a daughter, a soon to be daughter-in-law, correct? I do. Yeah. When are they getting married? 
um, August of 2022. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one thing you're looking forward to. Tell us something else that's going on with your, in your life or in your ministry. Um, well, in my life, as you know, we moved from Washington to Tennessee. And so that I'm still getting adjusted to that and that I am really enjoying that. And the podcasting, I'm still taking that on. And that kind of took off in 2020 as well. And um, I am, I hate saying this online because then it puts my hands, it forces my hands to it, but I am finally saying my yes to, to God and putting my pen to my paper and working on a Your Spiritual Game Plan Bible study. So awesome. I had a chance to talk to you a little more in depth as we were at the the spark conference. And yeah. I was just like, like amazed. I'm like, there's such a depth there that we haven't really gotten to know, you know, being online, but I was like, oh, that is amazing. That's going to be so good. So I will be cheering you on. Do you have anything, any last encouragements that you could offer the woman who is discouraged in pursuing her dream? She feels like, you know, she, she has a God-given dream, but it's just not happening right yet. Yeah, that, that does feel hopeless. It feels overwhelming, especially if you are watching other people and it looks like theirs are all being fulfilled, um, especially if you're in seasons of weight and transition. If uh, it doesn't matter what age you're in, it looks like someone else is always going ahead and doing, doing it and doing it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love Ephesians 2.10. Mm-hmm. It is my, it's my verse. And that is, you're a masterpiece. You were created anew for the good works that God planned long ago. And I like to break that up into pieces. And the first part is that you're a masterpiece. Mm. And I think God created us to create. We all create, right? Yeah. He made us to create. That's why the enemy hates us because the enemy was not created to create. He can't create. And so we're all creators in some way. And all of us when we're creating something, whether it's an art piece or a, a dinner or a, we're, you know, architecture, landscape, whatever you are creating in some form, you have a vision for it bef- before you finish it, before you get started, you have an idea of what it's going to look like, how it's going to get used or tasted. If you're going to gift it to someone, you even have an idea of how they're going to receive it and how they're going to use it. And if we as human beings have such a short-term vision for our mere creation, how more intentional does God have of his masterpiece? Mm. So if, if you know you are a masterpiece, God had so much intention when he created you. He did not create you and then say, now, Julie, go figure out why. Go find yourself, Julie. Go figure uh-huh. this out. Go find yourself. No, you're a masterpiece. You are an intentional creation with an intentional purpose. And then it says you were created anew. That means every day you're a new every there's going to be a new purpose, a new creation, a new calling for you. Uh, you're not going to have the same calling all the time. So right, right now, if you're in a, a season where you're not feeling called, it's going to be a new. And it says, I have good things I've planned for you long ago. So God's got a plan for you. He's already made the plans. Now, do they always get dropped in your lap? Do you sit at home and just wait for the, you know, Amazon to drop your calling at the door? No, not always. So look for the need in your community. 
look for a need in your church. It might be um, if you're uh, an older lady, it might be a young mom that just needs someone to come sit at home and with a baby while she does laundry or maybe help her do laundry. Look for, look for a need that your purpose can meet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it could also be writing letters. There's a lady um, in my church in Washington and she just sends prayers via email and they're so good and they're so uplifting. And, and she has a, a situation where she can't leave her home, but she sends email prayers and they're so good. Don't think that it's small. Don't think that it's, you know, too small to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I'm getting ready to host uh, an event at my church and I asked two ladies who said that they liked decorating for events and they are going all in with this thing. And it made me cry, made me tear up Mm -hmm. to see them really get into it. And it's like, you know, that could be overlooked, but everyone's, everyone's got their gifts. And when we all do what we're called to do, it just, it really glorifies God and it just makes it all work together. Absolutely. So yeah, no, no job is too small. I think God asks us what's in your hand. Yeah. In your hand, what can you do? Well, Sherry, thank you so much for being on the show. And I want to encourage my listeners to go to your website, sherryfletcher.com. And the download, the freebie will be available. It's called five steps to start your spiritual game plan. So I want to just encourage all my listeners to go download that. And it's a mini course. And this is a great kickoff way to get your, your purpose and your plan fixed and get going, get moving with what God's called you to. Thank you so much. It's been great talking with you.